And one day I looked up and these cardinals just flew almost right at me. They looked like little balls of fire. And that's when I started noticing them around the neighborhood. And they're always, almost every day, they're out my window, either like in the morning, in the evening, and they're bright red. And I texted you a picture today before we started. They're always around in a way to just kind of reassure me um, that, you know, he's, his presence is just, it's going to be with me until the end of time. And that is so reassuring. I don't know if these little cardinals even know what they're doing for me on a daily basis, but this is major therapy. Welcome to Always Aligning with your host, Ashika. This podcast is dedicated to soulful conversations with women that are living with intentionality and committed to personal development and self-growth. Join me as I dive deep with guests who are entrepreneurs, creatives, moms, professionals, and multifaceted women as we unpack what it means to live in alignment. I speak with women who have faced uncertainty, endured challenges, pivoted careers, embraced change, and continue to persevere while sharing their stories with vulnerability. Always Aligning is designed to inspire, uplift, and support you through your own journey of finding alignment. Welcome back, Always Aligning listeners. This is your host, Ashika, and you are listening to episode four. In today's episode, I am in conversation with Michelle D'Souza. Now, Michelle and I connected on Instagram a few months ago during the pandemic. Her Instagram handle really intrigued me, Bombay to Brooklyn, both places that I have lived in and love, along with her creative pursuits, which is Same Skin, a platform for women that celebrates diversity in similarity. When I met her in person, she shared her story of grief. She lost her father, Mr. Norman D'Souza, a few years ago, and I was just so, I was so deeply impacted by that because the thought of just loss of a, of a loved one, it's so scary and it's so painful. And I was just so curious to learn how she coped with grief and, and found joy and intentionality back in her life despite having gone through that experience. If you are someone that has experienced loss, are currently a caregiver, or if you just fear death because it's something we just don't know enough about and talk about and um, it's something we know it's going to happen but it's so foreign and it feels like so unknown to us if you are any of these people I hope that through today's conversation you walk away with a little bit more hopefulness and a little bit more um, awareness on what the journey can look like. Everyone's journey, of course, will be very different, but hopefully this conversation sheds a little bit light on it and also is a gentle reminder that even after experiencing something so devastating and painful, your life will carry on. Michelle, thank you so much for being here on Always Aligning and uh, for being so open-hearted and willing to share your story and your experience with loss. Um, I'm, first of all, so very sorry for the loss of your father, Norman D'Souza, who passed away in 2018. I know it's um, it was a few years of an experience um, with cancer, and he fought hard and long, and you were there by his side as much as you possibly could. And this conversation is, I think, really special to me. And it's also just very important because death is something we're all going to experience. We're we're all going to die. It's a reality of life. But, you know, we're also probably going to experience the loss of a loved one at some point in our life. And it feels so 
foreign and unknown, like you just don't know what to expect and you don't know how it's going to change your life. And I also think for many people, it's a, it's a rude awakening, um, to realize, well, you don't really control much that happens to you. You can only control your reaction to what happens to you. And, and, and death is one of those big things, right? That can happen to us that just changes everything we know about life. So I want to pick it up from when, um, when your father went back into remission a second time. At that time, did you become acutely aware that time had an, had a end date? that there was only a certain amount of it left and that you needed to use it very carefully and wisely. What were the thoughts running through your head during that time period? Hi, Ashika. First, I'd like to say thank you for holding space for this conversation, which I think is vital for all of us to hear and talk about because uh, we're not given as a society the tools to we're not equipped with the tools to deal with grief. So just talking about it and being more vocal about it helps normalize the conversation. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. And um, to answer your question, when my dad went into remission, the first thoughts that came to me were how could we spend time with him just and be present, right? So that's all I cared about. I flew back to India and I just wanted to live every day just the simple moments of life mm-hmm. and completely be present. So something as simple as like our 6.30 a.m. coffees, that was very important to me because I I didn't know um, he he was at the tail end of the disease. But again, you you know, you hear stories about where people live for years at, um, while they're sick. And so I just didn't know. So we just try to every day was important. And um, every moment that we spend together, that's what we focused on. Mhm. So so you knew that um you knew that this was serious but you were not sure about the amount of time that you had left. Correct, because the doctors would say 6 months, some, you know, everyone's giving you hope when you're mm-hmm. uh, especially at the hospitals, no one wants to just lay it out straight to you cuz that essentially it just sounds cruel. Mm-hmm. But um from just seeing the progression of his human body, you could tell mm-hmm he was at the tail end. So um, yeah, we, we all were acutely aware that we didn't have much time. Did the words of the doctors give you hope? Were you, were you filled with hope when you heard those things or were you, um, you know, a bit jaded by what you were experiencing visually? So we did have a really, really good doctor who was, um, whose parents, uh, whose mom actually had something similar and uh, he was actually very blunt with us. And he said six months or or less while my dad was, you know, in the chair. And um, that to me was more comforting because I would almost someone be real with me so I could capitalize on that time than mm-hmm. just, you know, have like have blind hope. I oftentimes struggle myself with what to say to someone who is grieving or mourning. And I wonder, um, if that was something that that you and and even your dad experienced, were your friends and family kind of trying to offer you support and hope, but but just failing because they didn't know how to do it in a way that was actually of service. One day, my dad looked at me and said, "Why does everyone say I look good when I know I don't look good?" Mm. And something as simple as that kind of caught me off guard, and I was like, "Holy shit! Nobody, we're, we think we're offering comfort." And we're not. So instead, I would, 
I would have liked to hear, and I know he would have liked to hear, wow, this sucks. I, I know you're probably feeling terrible. How can I help? What Bring up a good memory. When he had family that came over and was talking to him about, you know, old, like their old school days, mm-hmm. that joy. Um, just, and I know this sounds just so, um, it doesn't sound like I'm shitting on someone that's there to offer support, but um, they just want to hear, nobody wants false hope. And uh, that's what I think um, I've learned most. And so now I make sure I'm very aware of how I communicate with people that have suffered loss, especially after you're like 2020, where I say things like, I love you. I'm here for you. If you ever need something, please call, call me to cry, call me to there's like, I hold judgment free space. And I think that is so, so precious for someone that's grieving. So the advice is that to make yourself available and offer support and Mm, not really uh, pretend like what's happening is not happening, you know, to be, to be honest about it, but with as much compassion and kindness as is possible for someone. Absolutely. Uh, They say that when the time is near, um, there is, there is an awareness uh, either for the person or even around them. There's, there's sometimes signs or, you know, um, angels or or different things that happen that just make the person know like this is the time was that something that either you experienced or maybe your dad did that you're aware of Uh, we both did and um his death experience was one of the most magical and um messed up experiences of my existence that's a very interesting phrase to use michelle magically messed up Correct. And it was, I'm going to explain why, because the night that he passed away, I had made um, it a point to sit by him because I slept through the entire day. So I wanted to give my mom and sister a break. And I was like, all right, I'm going to grab my coffee and I'm just going to sit with him through the night. And this was, you know, he was um, on morphine. So the nurse was kind of around, but in the other room. And when I got to his room at home at around midnight, this lady was sitting by his bed who my mom grew up with. She was a devout churchgoer and my, you know, my mom and her connected, but she was not a family friend. And she was sitting there singing to him, praying over him. And I thought, wow, my dad probably hates this right now. Like if he was, (laughs) if he was able, he would just tell her to get out. And, um, So I went and sat next to her and kind of held his hand just so he knew, you know, there was, there was some, somebody around supporting him. And this lady just sat there talking to me about life and death. And we were just having a natural conversation. And um, I was completely bothered by her presence at first because it was invasive. But then at around 1am, I she was still praying and I heard birds chirping and I thought it was the weirdest sound in Bombay in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And I looked over at her and I said, did you hear that? And she said, no. And then she looked over at my dad and said this, like, she just like nudged me onto it. And my mom and sister on cue walked into the room at around 1am and they just like were drawn to his bed. And so we're, we like flanked him on either sides and we're holding him while we could literally see the life like he was turning blue, like his nails were turning blue and my hand was on my dad's chest and um, I felt his heart stop beating. And 
that to me, if this lady wasn't present and didn't kind of nudge me or guide me, it would have, it was just so magical. And I'm forever grateful for that experience. It's okay. You can take a minute. Because it was so affirming to me that life exists in so many different forms, right? And that this human um, body or this human shell that we're in is just Mm -hmm. one facet. Because when I felt my dad's heart stop beating, after a couple minutes, his body just felt like a shell. And I was able to detach and walk away from the body, which was, I was amazed when I thought about it the following day. I was amazed at that transformation. So I would definitely say we had angels and guardian angels and spirit guides and, you know, the, the works in that room that night. And um, I'm eternally, eternally grateful for that. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I know this is a really hard conversation and I have the chills myself. I can almost, I can almost feel the birds giving me signs. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Michelle. Speaking of birds, I, uh, of course, I follow you on Instagram and I, I, you've referred to cardinals uh, popping up in your presence. Could you talk about that a little? Of course. That's like my favorite Brooklyn bird lady uh, thing to talk about. Um, <laughs> Hashtag Brooklyn bird lady right here. Ever since my dad passed away and my mom and I always argue about this because she's like, I'm sure they were, they were around before 2018. I'm like, no. I would sit on my balcony and I would cry. This is when, you know, right after and just you'd wake up in the morning. You're just like, you didn't see the point in life, right? You just would like have these bouts of grief. And I would sit on the balcony crying. And one day I looked up and these cardinals just flew almost right at me. They looked like little balls of fire. And that's when I started noticing them around the neighborhood. And they're always, almost every day, they're out my window, either like in the morning, in the evening, and they're bright red. And I text you a picture today before we started. They're always around in a way to just kind of reassure me um, that, you know, he's, his presence is just, it's going to be, be with me until the end of time. And that is so reassuring. I don't know if these little cardinals even know what they're doing for me on a daily basis, but this is major therapy. That that does sound like major therapy. And I did want to share that beautiful moment that you and I just experienced where, I think one minute after our scheduled interview and we both are logging in, I see a text from you and lo and behold, it's a photograph of a cardinal right, right by there. And I just, I said, wow, like I felt, okay, this is a sign. I took it as a blessing. I, you know, uh, sent some wishes to Mr. D'Souza and made sure that he was okay with this conversation. And here we are finally recording after some technical challenges. Um, that, that's amazing. It's amazing that you're able to see the sign and tap into it. Did you always have um, uh, spirituality in you or, or is this something that you turn to more during your time of, um, you know, emotional struggle? So I think growing up in India, spirituality is just second nature. I grew up Catholic um, and I'm still very religious, uh, but I do believe that there's so many different powers in the universe and they all kind of work hand in hand and they all kind of answer to one big calling. Right. And we all have different names for it. So, um, but for me in my grief process, and even while my dad was alive, when I was learning about death, 
through books and just, you know, YouTube articles or Googling things, spirituality spoke out because it just talks about the afterlife. Like it's not some, that it's like, it's not unknown, right? Like it Mm -hmm. exists and people that pass on have, um, are still present. So to me, um, spirituality was key in coping with grief. And I'm still very much spiritual um, in my day-to-day practices. I There's a book I read right after called Many Lives, Many Masters that kind of talks about how we all come back within our soul family. And mm. um, it made so much sense to me. And, you know, so... Yeah, I I lean on spirituality a lot. I do have a spiritual teacher in Brooklyn and um she's just she's my spiritual therapist. So, um that has definitely been one of my biggest support systems in my grief journey. Michelle, do you feel that um your experience with loss and and confronting the loss of let alone of a parent at such a young age, I believe you were 29 when this happened, completely changed your outlook and perspective on life. It it made you re-examine your priorities and your values and how you wanted to spend the rest of your time here. Uh, today, three years after, where are you in your journey of grief and what does your life look like now? I am um, a little more grounded in um, my day-to-day life before I just was a workhorse. And I kind of just, I was very robotic in my living. I work, 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 because that's all I, you know, I, I didn't have time to emote anything Mm. even before. And then when my dad passed away really quickly, his entire life, he wanted to retire in Goa, his, you know, his ancestral home. Um, and he would talk about it with so much pride. And he was like, when I retire, and he retired, got cancer. And then this was the trajectory of his retirement, right? So the biggest lesson I took away from that was, there is no time in the future to do what you want to do now. And that's kind of how where I'm at today, three years later, um, I live my life intentionally, I make time for things that bring me joy. I cry. I um, have long conversations with my dad in in the shower, in bed, like every morning, every night before I go to bed, I have, you know, I hold his hand and like, I say a little prayer. I fall asleep instantly before the prayer is completed. But um, I kind of incorporate him into my day to day. And um, I'm comfortable knowing that when I talk to him, I can't hear him talk back before that was a big um you know, that was a big thing I had to overcome, but now I'm just confident in having these one-sided conversations and um, just being a little more, uh, just a little more purposeful in how I live each day. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I have had the pleasure of working with you recently. You, you, in fact, your uh, pursuit of joyful creativity brought out the best in me and helped me connect with something that I'd love to do for so long, which is actually facing a camera. And I think that's the power of aligning with the things that you love. And it's actually what inspired me to start this show as well, that I realized, well, I need to align with with what I love, which is having conversations, meaningful, heart-centered conversations with other people. And by doing so, I'm actually able to impact people and connect with people in a way that I would not have been able to do if I didn't connect with what I like. And you were able to do that. And I 
had the, the advantage of feeling, you know, the the positive effects of that. So it's just the world would be such a better place if we all tapped into the things that we just truly love to do. And, you know, you see where it goes, right? I, I'm like nodding aggressively <laughs> over here because that is so true. I mean, we're taught to like stick to timelines and, you know, accomplish this by a certain timeline. And while all of that is great, because I'm a firm believer in, um, you know, rigid boundaries, because that's how I grew up, and it helps you accomplish a lot in life. But what really makes you happy on the inside is what you really should grow up to align with, because um, that's really the whole point of living. I know it sounds so cliche, but that is really the whole point of living. The way we connected was when I stumbled upon Same Skin 2020, a platform celebrating diverse women from different backgrounds. And I know that is a project that's very dear to you and has given you a lot of joy and happiness. Could you share a little bit more? One of the things that I um, created through 2020 was uh, this digital platform, sort of a community for women of color who share their stories of trials and triumphs. So, um, you know, Mm -hmm. other girls or women out there can kind of relate and not feel isolated in their journey. And um, that was one of that was something I would never have created had I not gone through grief, because I realized that while I was grieving, what helped me most was connecting with other individuals. It's kind of like a misery loves company, but uh, connecting with other individuals who were grieving or somebody who went through the same thing that offered support because, and that's where I found um, solace. So I wanted to extend that to us in all walks of life. And I um, gave birth to same skin, which was um, a big, big uh, step for me in, you know, kind of like a legacy that I'm going to leave behind through my grieving process. Yeah. And in terms of solace, as you said, for anyone who's listening that may be um, grieving or mourning the loss of a loved one um, or taking care of just someone who's really ill, are there any words of support and advice you could offer them on things they could be doing now to help them and what type of support maybe they should go out and seek for themselves as well? Sure. Um while there's no one way or standard operating procedure to grieve, I would say you have to put yourself first, whether you're taking care of an ill loved one or you're even if you're grieving, you self-care is extremely, extremely important because you are going to be so depleted internally that you just cannot give to anyone else. So it's okay to be selfish with your self-care during this process. Um, I would say cry as much as you need to. It's not a sign of weakness. Take as many days as you need in bed. Do cry wherever. I've cried on the train. I've cried on the streets. It doesn't matter. And um, always remember that your grief journey is always going to be lonely. Even if you're experiencing it with other people, it's going to be lonely. So just know that everyone kind of goes through it in their own way. So you're the, I guess the best way to put it is you have to just find peace to like within yourself and just be comfortable with yourself. So for me, quiet moments at home, um, seeking out spiritual, spiritual teachers, reading books about the after about afterlife or, you know, just our journey from here on. Those were things that supported me. And, um, I think the lesson, the common lesson that it's it's going to teach us all is that um, 
life exists in the everyday. And um, you always, always remember whatever you are going through in the moment, you can always move forward without moving on. That's beautiful. I just feel like you just offered such great advice that anyone who's listening who is in some sort of a similar position is is going to feel a little bit of lightness and hope. I hope they take away some hope from that because that was a really powerful statement, Michelle. Thank you. Um, it took me a while to get here. So, you know, and don't worry. It's like, a, it, it's just, you oscillate between having really good days and really bad days. So there's just, that's just the reality of it. Michelle, you touched upon the need and the importance of self-care. And I'm curious to learn if there were any self-care um, uh, activities that you indulged in while you were, you know, physically and emotionally being a caregiver to your father that really, really gave you the strength to continue to show up and give that care. So I worked out every day. I mm-hmm. left home at 9 or 10 a.m. for an hour Pilates or whatever. And that was while I felt selfish doing it, like leaving home every morning, it gave me the mental strength to get through another day. And the other thing I did was I completely disconnected and detached from work. It, it was so irrelevant to me. And it just, it's such, it's like night and day because I went from working every single day to work, just not even being a factor. And that really helped me, um, you know, give myself a break. And because when you are a caregiver, you are, um, it's just very emotionally, physically, and mentally draining. And I don't think we give caregivers enough credit. I would like to say my mom was a soldier through this entire process. Cause while I was with my dad for a month or two, she's been by his side for years while he Mm -hmm. was sick. And, uh, we forget that being a caregivers need support too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Kudos to your mom if she's listening. Michelle, I want to just thank you again so much for having this conversation. It's the first time I've ever spoken to anyone so in-depth and intimately about grief. And to be honest, I was a little nervous because I wanted to be sensitive and mindful, but also just learn from from your experiences. And I think we are better off when we listen to stories of people who have had different experiences than us. And there's there's always something to be taken away from there. Before I wrap up our conversation, I wanted to know if um, from this experience, if you were able to identify maybe two or three values that you really wanted to continue to align your life with. Okay. Um Yes, there, there are multiple values I want to continue to align <laughs> my life with. I just pause a moment to think about them. Um, I want to be happy every day and just be happy, like purposefully. And I'm not one of those that's just like, oh, la di da, you know, but I want to find joy in simple things. Mm-hmm. I want to, uh, I want to leave, I want my life to make some sort of an impact. And that's kind of what I am working towards um, every week. And I would say I just want to spread enough, not, I shouldn't say not positivity. I want to spread enough hope in the world to know that um, whatever your journey, whatever your story, you are not alone and um, your voice matters and your story matters. And I think um, I am making a conscious effort to create space for that. And, um, you know, those are the, those are what the values I align with currently and it's ever evolving. 
no wonder you and I have become friends, especially over the past months, as we share this value of creating spaces and, um, you know, bringing to life stories that need to be heard. So thank you again, Michelle. Now, uh, how can somebody get in touch with you and connect with all of the amazing work that you're up to? You can follow me on Instagram. I'm very active on Bombay to Brooklyn. And um, if you would like- Shout out to Brooklyn. Shout out to Brooklyn. That's right. And Bombay. Um, (laughs) And if you would like to support um, this or be part of this community of phenomenal women, um, it's called Same Skin. It's also on Instagram. you know, and you can always just tap a button there to email me or call me or just reach out to Ashika and she can get in touch with me. Hey, thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you for, um, thank you for giving us hope and, and letting us know that even after going through such a life altering experience that life continues and, you know, you can make it yours, you can make it beautiful and it can still be, positive and joyful and hopeful. And I know every day is not perfect. And I know this is, it's a new reality that you start to get adjusted to and things will never be the same, but I really appreciate your commitment to joy. Thanks, Ash. It is a total pleasure to talk about grief on a lighter note. And um, I'm happy to have this conversation with whoever needs it whenever they need to. This is Ashika, and you've been listening to Always Aligning, the podcast. If you haven't already, go ahead to Apple Podcast, subscribe to the show, and leave a review. We're also available on Spotify, and if you like what you heard, share it with a friend. I will see you back here next Thursday with another conversation of Always Aligning. Next week, we speak to a couple that's been living in a van.